Hello and welcome to this podcast. My name is Jan Zucker and I am an associate in the Düsseldorf office of Simmons & Simmons. And today I will speak with Sasha Kuhn, disputes partner in our Düsseldorf office. Sasha is leading our global mediation offering and today I want to talk with him about the legal framework for mediation. Sasha, the title of this podcast is Mediation, the legal framework Let me start by asking the following question. Is there at all a legal framework for mediation? I always thought that one of the advantages of mediation is that it is less bound by national legislation. Hello, Jan, and uh, thank you for the question. Um, and on the one hand, you're absolutely right. Um, one of the big advantages of mediation is that the participants in it are not constricted by what national law provides um, to the solution of a conflict. Um, parties are much freer. However, it does not mean that there is not a need for any uh, legal um, background and, 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 and uh, rules, to put it that way. Uh, and that is not so much on, um, indeed, the, the solutions that the parties are coming to in uh, mediation, but it is um, related to the um, procedure as such. Uh, mediation as a procedure is a procedure which as any procedure from my perspective, needs, needs rules. Um, and that's why indeed, um, at least in Europe, um, there was an understanding um, that there was a need to have a directive um, on certain aspects of mediation. And indeed this directive, Directive 2008-52, um, was issued by the European Parliament and the Council in the summer of 2008 to deal, as the title uh, already tells us, with certain aspects of mediation and civil and commercial matters. Um, now, it's important to see that um, the idea of the directive was not to cover every type of mediation in every context, but it was very clearly narrowed down to mediation in civil and commercial matters. Okay, uh, I know that directives have to be implemented by the national legislator. What does this implementation of uh, the directive look like? Mm -hmm. Yes, in, indeed. Um, uh, contrary to, to, to regulation, directive has to be implemented by the national legislator and the directive contains, um, yeah, more or less a guideline on what the national legislator should implement. Um, and so we have seen implementation by national legislators across Europe. You have in, in, in Portugal, for example, the Ley de Mediação. In Germany, you have the Mediationsgesetz and so on and so on. Um, it's very interesting to, to compare indeed the, the national implementation with what the idea behind the directive was. Um, if you look, for example, at the um, piece of legislation on, on which I am most qualified to, to comment, um, uh, which is the, the German uh, Act on Mediation, Mediationsgesetz, uh, you will see that it goes beyond the scope set by the directive. As I said, the directive was aiming at civil and commercial matter mediation only. 
the German Act on Mediation deals with mediation regardless of the um, legal area in which it is um, set. So it relates to commercial um, and civil matters, but it also uh, relates to, for example, family law matters um, and, and basically any other type of conflict regardless of which um, law governs the conflict. And what is the main content of this national legislation? The, the, the main contact, uh, content of the legislation is in, indeed very close and uh, very much uh, uh, characterized by what the um, directive um, already said. Um, not a big surprise because it is an implementation of that directive. Um, so you have very clear rules on, for example, the procedure, things like uh, impartiality, um, which is an important aspect of the quality of mediation. And on the other hand, you have, um, well, let's say the, the, the key principles um, of what good mediation is, um, uh, like, for example, impartiality um, of the mediator, um, but also, for example, uh, a, a clear reference to the fact that mediation is something that the parties decide. Um, uh, it's, it's nothing which um, is imposed on the parties in the sense that a decision is imposed on the parties, but the parties have to come up with a solution to the conflict. Um, confidentiality is one of those other key components and key aspects that the directive um, asked for and which indeed has been implemented into national law. Um, and you, you, you might say, why, what's the real purpose of having those principles um, enshrined in a, in a piece of national legislation? Well, technically speaking, um, together with all these key principles, there is a set of obligations. Um, so talking, for example, about confidentiality, um, one of the key um, requirements for any good mediation if a mediator was to um, to violate that principle of confidentiality, this leads to liability um, for the mediator. So um, it, it's not just about principles, but it's also about the obligations with, which come with that um, and the potential liability with, which comes with that. So isn't that basic, basically what the international principles of mediation look like? Yes, to, to a certain extent that is true. Confidentiality um, as required by the directive and as indeed then implemented international law, is not, it, it's nothing which is purely European. Um, if, if you look at mediation and mediation requirements and mediation legislation uh, in other jurisdictions outside of Europe, you will find very, very similar um, requirements. Um, and that is not a big surprise. Um, the, the, the principles were not invented by the European Union, but they are the, the result of what good practice in mediation looks like. Um, and, and that's the same in, 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 in Europe and Brazil and Australia. Um, but still, for, for the reasons um, already mentioned, it was necessary and important to enshrine those principles into a piece of legislation. One 
Last question, one other point. I have recently heard a reference to the Singapore Convention. Does this have anything to do with mediation? It, it, it does indeed. Um, you're referring to the Singapore Mediation Convention. Um, you see, uh, at, at the beginning of our discussion, I said that one of the positive things, the good things, the strengths about mediation is that it is not so much bound by national legislation um, and that um, the parties are the ones who decide how to solve a conflict. Um, nothing is imposed on the parties. Now, there, there, there is a disadvantage coming with that, um, where it is totally up to the parties to decide how to solve a conflict. There is a risk that following mediation, one party might walk away and say, look, we have agreed on something, but I don't feel bound by that any longer. I don't want to implement what we have just agreed upon. And, and, and that's exactly what the Singapore Mediation Convention deals with. National law, indeed, on the basis of the directive, provides for mechanisms to turn um, the, the settlement agreement found by the parties through mediation is turned into um, an enforceable um, outcome. And now the question has been how to ensure that this enforceable outcome of mediation in, for example, Singapore can indeed be um, enforced, let's say, in the United States. And that's the idea behind the Singapore Mediation Convention, that where there is um, an outcome um, found by the parties in a mediation which is turned enforceable, that this result is then also enforceable not just in the country in which the mediation has taken place, but also in other jurisdictions. Um, now, the, the, the number of jurisdictions which have fully um, ratified um, and, and, and not just signed the Singapore Convention is still um, somewhat limited, one might say, um, uh, with a very interesting group of countries um, which have fully um, ratified. Uh, Belarus is an example, Ecuador is an example, but on the other hand, you have, for example, countries uh, such as Singapore and Qatar. Um, now, for, for us in Europe, we are not yet there. Um, I, I think that this will come at one point of time. Um, but we have to be a little bit patient. Um, so, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what the future brings for Europe in this regard. Okay, that's it. Thank you, Sasha, and goodbye. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>